0: I often get emails that say, David, is the modern Republican Party now fascist? Is fascism what they would employ if there were no barriers or opposition or obstacles? So let's explore this a little bit and think it through. And where I end up coming down is that the modern Republican Party is a fascistic authoritarian party but not actually fascist. But part of the reason why they are not actually fascist is that there is opposition in the United States. So let's start with a definition. What are we talking about when we talk about fascism? Fascism is a far right, authoritarian political ideology, which often includes dictatorial power, forcible suppression of opposition and very strongly regimented society and a very strongly regimented economy. Now, some of these things might not sound like the rhetoric of the Republican Party with strong regimentation. The Republican Party is all about freedom and liberty. Yes, the rhetoric is. But are they actually like that when it comes to policy? So we're going to talk about that. What is the Republican Party platform and policy versus fascism or fascistic authoritarianism? Because it is true that it used to be the case. That the Republican Party was known for conservative values, actually being for small government, promoting truly free market capitalism or something close to it. But that is not at all what the modern modern Republican Party, particularly under Maga Trumpism, has become. It has become a party of hyper nationalism, populist rhetoric, as well as extraordinarily overbearing suppression, of opposition, all fascistic characteristics. And the bulk of this, the culmination of it has been seen in the shift during the rise of Donald Trump and his influence on the Republican Party. The rhetoric of Trump and the policies that Trumpists would like to implement are every combination of authoritarian, sometimes xenophobic anti-competitive, et cetera. And we're going to look at a bunch of examples, the Muslim ban, family separation at the border, trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election results, trying to limit the speech of the press and trying to get adversarial reporters banned, including Jim Acosta, etc. cetera. In addition to this, the attempt to suppress opposition through election meddling tactics that disproportionately affect young people, people of color, low income individuals, disproportionately those who vote on the left is another way in which Republicans under Maga have tried to hold on to power by any means necessary, even when they've been voted out completely anti democratically. Now, there are people who will argue these are straight up fascist tactics. Others say it's kind of too extreme a term. But it is very hard to argue that it isn't fascistic and hardline authoritarianism. The actions and the rhetoric of MAGA Trumpism, AKA the modern Republican Party, have taken that bent. So let's talk about some of the specific policies. And there are so many, but let's talk about a few. The Muslim ban. One of the first things that Donald Trump did as president was sign an executive order banning travel from several Muslim majority countries. It was done under the guise of protecting the United States, but it targeted Muslim majority countries that had not actually been the sources of terrorism to the United States. You could make the case that either way it was fascistic, but particularly when you're not even targeting the quote right countries based on what you claim to want to achieve, discriminatory and absolutely authoritarian. Scale up of the separation of families at the border, the zero tolerance policy at the southern border, which resulted in the separation of families and the detention of children in cages, inhumane, cruel, emblematic of fascistic authoritarianism. The attacks on media. Trump calling the media fake news. Trump saying you can't believe what you are hearing and seeing. You've got to listen to me to know the truth. Enemy of the people. Get Jim Acosta out of the White House press briefing room, get adversarial media shut down, et cetera, et cetera, undermining free press, which is a cornerstone of democracy. Voter suppression, um, pushing for uh, voter I.D. of the kind that would just make it harder for people to vote. Uh, shortening early voting hours, pushing for all of these different things while claiming they are trying to steal and cheat and rob an election. Extraordinarily fascistic militarizing the police. Trump supported the use of military equipment by police under the guise of law and order. And that was an open attempt to suppress dissident protesters and those with views adversarial to Trump embracing authoritarian and dictatorial leaders. Right. I mean, listen, when you criticize Canada and France and Germany, democratic countries and you go, I don't know, I believe Putin no matter what he says. And Kim Jong Un and I wrote each other love letters. And Duterte has been very strong on drugs and she does quick trials and the death penalty for of drug dealers and Bolsonaro and Erdogan and Orban. This is another authoritarian fascistic slide. The entire attempt to steal an election, Trump didn't win, of course, straight out of the dictator's playbook. And then lastly, I would also point to hardcore attempts to control private and enti- private businesses for your personal political gain. And I'm thinking of big tech and social media. We don't want to. Uh, We don't want to regulate businesses unless it's absolutely necessary. Businesses should be allowed to regulate themselves and do what they want, except when we want to force Twitter to publish Trump's election lies, COVID disinformation and on and on. So bottom line, the modern Republican Party may not fit all of the characteristics of fascist ideology, and we certainly are not living under fascism in the United States. And we weren't when Trump was president either. But there are elements of extreme authoritarianism, nationalism, right wing populist rhetoric used to justify some pretty hardcore policy, and it should concern all of us who worry about this fascistic direction to the American Republican Party. Fascism? No, not yet. Fascistic authoritarianism with some dictatorial dreams, 100 percent. Let's talk about something else many have written to me about. What the hell happened to the alt right? Where did they go? Are they still around? At the start of Trump's presidency, everything was alt right. We are the alt right. They are the alt right, both self-professed and discussed in media, in policy circles, etc. Rarely, if ever, do we hear about the alt right today. So what happened to it? Did it go the way of the Tea Party, partially destroyed, partially integrated into the modern Republican Party? Has MAGA Trumpism essentially absorbed the alt right? Well, let's talk about it. In the early 2010s, as the Tea Party had gotten their wins and then started to fade, that happened in 2010. So then you go to 2013, 2014. This new political movement emerged in the United States, which was ultimately known as the alt right loosely defined group of individuals, rejected mainstream conservatism, dabbled in white nationalism, dabbled in anti-Semitism, dabbled in uh, uh, xenophobia and all sorts of other far right ideologies. And as the 2016 presidential election got going and Donald Trump ultimately won the nomination of the Republican Party and became a general election candidate and won 2015, 2016, 2017, we saw the alt right. Gained significant prominence. Since then, though, the alt right as such has significantly faded out of public eye. Why did this happen? There's a number of things that are going on important to identify to understand the continued evolution of MAGA Trumpism. Number one, the alt right as such started to get hit with significant backlash from media, from the left, and from mainstream conservatives as well. People like Mitt Romney, Kinzinger, et cetera, who distanced themselves from the movement and condemned its extremist views. They saw that under Trumpism, it was uh, continuing to grow and that it wasn't a good thing as far as they were concerned. Secondly, many of the alt right leaders ended up exposed. They were exposed as Really, just being racist, really just being anti Semitic, really just being xenophobic. And so many of the alt right leaders lost credibility and they lost support. And some of them ended up kind of dissolving into MAGA Trumpism. Uh, third, we saw MAGA Trumpism accept and absorb some elements of alt right ideology, uh, certainly the cultish loyalty. To Donald Trump, uh, the rejection of establishment politics, embracing populist rhetoric, which you then fill in with right wing policy prescriptions when it comes to it. And so MAGA Trumpism, I mean, listen, I'm trying to be fair and charitable here. There are, of course, elements of anti-Semitism and white nationalism and MAGA Trumpism, without a doubt. I don't believe Trump created them, but he coalesced them and he welcomed them in. The MAGA Trumpism, well, I'm trying to be accurate but also not weaken it. MAGA Trumpism was less overtly anti Semitic and homophobic and whatever else the case may be than the alt right, and thus has achieved some success by kind of integrating some of those alt right elements into it. One big difference between the alt right and MAGA Trumpism is that MAGA Trumpism has succeeded in part because they have this charismatic, to some degree, cult like leader in Trump, whereas the alt right never really had that leader. They had a bunch of different people who led different aspects of it. Richard Spencer, maybe Gavin McGuinness, And I, I know I'm forgetting a bunch of others, but they didn't have Trump. And so Trump's presence was a big factor in MAGA Trumpism superseding the alt right. Uh, so bottom line, the alt right as such has indeed. GREATLY faded from public view. Its views haven't gone away and it has a legacy inside of MAGA Trumpism. The question we are now left with is will it survive another election cycle? Or will the Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and Trump himself suffer a 2024 defeat? That could be the final nail in the coffin for this roughly decade period is what it will be at the end of the day, eight years, 10 years, roughly 11 years, depending on when you consider the start of alt right will alt right die as part of MAGA Trumpism in 2024. That's the question that remains to be answered and one we're going to continue asking. We'll take a quick break. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the David Pacman show pushing very strongly all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you, NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Plastic. It's everywhere we look and not enough is being done about it. One hundred billion plastic bags are used and thrown away every year. Here's something super simple you can do to reduce plastic and help the planet a little bit. Our sponsor Hold On Bags is the company making plastic free trash bags and zip seal kitchen bags. They're just as strong and high quality as the plastic bags you're used to. Hold on bags are 100 percent plant based. And home compostable, meaning they break down in just weeks, not decades. Their zip seal kitchen bags come in sandwich or gallon size to fit all of your needs, whether it's carrots or crayons. At home, I put all of my food waste in a hold on trash bag, throw it in the compost pile. And when I throw a hold on trash bag in my dumpster, I love knowing it's not filling our landfills and oceans with plastic. Single-use plastics harm the planet at every stage: production, disposal, decomposition. Join the growing movement away from single-use plastic. These products are really great. It's so easy to make the switch. Go to holdonbags.com/pacman and you'll get 20% off with code PACMAN at checkout. That's h o l d o n b a g s.com/pacman. Code PACMAN saves you 20%. The info is in the podcast notes, the David Pakman show continues to be an audience supported program. I invite you. I implore you. Am I begging? No, I'm stopping short of begging. But I will say, please clap. No, in all seriousness, if you do want to support the work that we do. You can go to join pacman.com, but we have too much to talk about today for me to spend too much more time on that. All right, let's hear from some people in the audience. I want to start today with Josh from Delaware. We take calls via Discord at DavidPacman.com slash Discord. Josh, welcome. What is on your mind today?
1: Hey, David, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Uh, First time caller. Glad to be here. Um, Yeah, so definitely wanted to talk about last week. Um, I I know one of the big things that gets talked about a lot of is the election lies. Um, And, you know, I do have some friends that uh, always talk about a election was stolen. It was stolen. There's so much evidence. But where is the evidence? Um, Just kind of wanted to hear from you on. uh, Has anyone ever sent you anything just showcasing any evidence of electric fraud at all.
0: No. I mean, many people all the way up to Mike Pillow have said, as soon as we get off this interview, I'm going to send you all the evidence from my cyber guys or whatever. They've never sent any evidence at all. Sometimes they will send me a link to that Dinesh D'Souza movie, 2000 Mules. But of course, Even that doesn't have any evidence. It just has video of people dropping off ballots at drop boxes with ominous music playing and some geolocation data that doesn't actually prove anything. And, you know, the I'm willing to work forwards, which is show me the evidence from which I can draw a conclusion if and if the conclusion is that the election was stolen by Joe Biden, I will tell you after this many years of claims with no evidence. I'm starting to wonder whether maybe the evidence doesn't exist, Josh.
1: Thank you, David. And I have one more follow up question pretty quick. Um, But Fox News, Um, you know, I know uh, one of the other things has always been the uh, uh, pretty recently the text messages that were sent privately between the Fox News hosts, especially with Tucker Carlson. Yeah, Uh, kind of your thoughts on that. How how could people still watch Fox News after that information was released? And I also got to say, I don't remember Tucker even denouncing that uh, those messages weren't even him. So how how could people still watch Fox News and uh, believe that's still a good news organization to get their uh, their daily news from?
0: Primarily, the answer is that Tucker's viewers either will never hear about the text messages in which Tucker says he despises Trump or. They will explain it away by saying, Well, Tucker had to say that for this reason or that reason, but he didn't really mean it. Or they will say, He has since changed his mind. They'll explain it away one way or the other. They seem pretty committed at this point to Tucker and to Fox News.
1: Got it. Well, thanks, David. Appreciate your time and hope you have a good rest of your day.
0: Pleasure. There is Josh from Delaware. Very, very much appreciate that. Remember to uh, ideally get right to your question, and I love that everybody's got their correct audio devices selected today. Let's go to Carolyn from Utah. Carolyn from Utah, welcome to the David Pakman Show. What's on your mind today? What can I do for you, Carolyn from Utah? You've been invited to join. Welcome.
2: Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Um, I've been a longtime listener. Now, this is a question. Okay. I'm from Utah, like I, like you said. Um, yeah. We have a Republican governor, um, Fox, who's more of a midstream, mainstream Republican. He's not too far to the left or too far to the right. But um, he had uh, nominated a Democratic person to go to our environmental council or whatever. And um, the Republican... The people who would approve this nomination, of course, put it down. They said, no, you can't be on the committee. Now, my question has to do with um, the fact that the Republicans have for so long (laughs) let misinformation rule in regards to climate change and things like that, and um, in particular, the way the Democrats act. So now some of these mainstream Republicans are trying to, of course, make a turnaround and... When they realized they went too far, is there any way that you think that they can pull back the Republican Party short of, I don't know, I'm I worried about the Civil War thing, but short of Civil War, is there any way that we can pull back the people that are so far gone they can't understand reason and logic? So, I mean, Carolyn, I, I apologize. A, a, a lot
0: of the first stuff you said, I didn't... I didn't- Carolyn, a lot of the first stuff you said I didn't really understand. And you also had a couple of audio glitches in there. But but what I think you're asking me is, is there any way to pull extremist Republicans who are in in fantasy land kind of back to reality? Is that generally your question?
2: Yeah, but um, in particular, if there's any way well for the mainstream Republicans to do it, I don't think we have any chance. Oh, okay.
0: I think the best shot that mainstream Republicans, to the extent that they still exist, have to pull the extremists back to to reality is by proving to them, really showing them that if you guys are, are the direction the party goes, we lose. I think that that's the only way. And even then, I think that if the MAGA extremist wing just started losing badly. I don't even know that you would convert a lot of those people. I think a lot of those people would give up and leave politics. So it's it's not it might not even really be a conversion. But I do think that it's possible not with all of these people, but with some if Republicans start taking more and more and more losses as they already have, but even more. And then the mainstream Republicans say it's because of you, we need to come back to something more approximating like Mitt Romney or John McCain. I think that that's their best shot. And even that may not work. I don't know.
2: Yeah, that would be um, great. So <laughs> I, I know there's been a lot of articles lately about civil war and everything. What do you think our chances are of ending up in something like that
0: as of right now? Question. So I never like to make these long term predictions. The U.S. will never have a civil war. We just don't know. The, the way I would assess it is I see the chance of a civil war over the next five years as extremely close to zero, not zero, but extremely close to zero over the next five years. That's kind of where I'm comfortable going right now.
2: Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking my call.
0: Pleasure, Carolyn from Utah. Great to hear from you. Why don't we go next to treaties from Boston? treaties from Boston. Welcome back to the program. How's it going?
3: Hey, David. Good to talk to you again. Likewise. Uh, so I have a quick question. I remember a few months ago we briefly talked about um, ranked choice voting. Yes. And. I can remember three, four years ago, it not being a very well-known system, but after Alaska adopted it, and it's at least blamed on Sarah Palin losing, I'm wondering if, do you think that with things like that, like it being, aiding in a a Democrat winning, or at least, you know, blaming it uh, with Sarah Palin's loss and things like that, do you think that it'll kind of its progress in being adopted nationwide will be stagnated uh, just kind of by these right wing talking points of that. It's uh, just a tool by the left to uh, you know, tear in with the majority that sort of thing.
0: I don't think it will help. And it's sort of similar to movements to move from an electoral college system to a national popular vote are limited by a number mm-hmm. of different factors. But Many Republicans are aware that were it not for the electoral vote, if we had a national popular vote, there's a whole bunch of their winners who would have actually lost. So it is without question that at least the Republicans that pay attention know that popular vote isn't great for them. The extent to which they know that that uh, transferable vote or rank choice voting is bad for them, I think it's less clear. But I do think that the Mm -hmm. um, Sarah Palin situation in Alaska is is a cautionary tale. You know, the truth is, in the midst of all the insanity of the last year, it hasn't been a topic anyone's been talking about too much. So it actually could be an opportunity to make some progress on ranked choice voting uh, for dedicated activists.
3: Yeah, I would say, like, definitely now, while it's not as in the mainstream, I, I think it kind of was within like the few months before the midterms, but after all that, it kind of got lost in a shuffle. I agree. Um, I do have one other quick. That thank you for that. I do have one quick follow up question. Do you have a favorite political movie?
0: Not really. I mean, I think uh, as far as a documentary, I actually forget the name of it, but it's a documentary from when Paul Begala and James Carville ran Bill Clinton's campaign. Uh what is mm. it? it I, is it called The War Room? Now I don't remember. It's a it's a good documentary. I don't really watch too many political movies, to be honest. hmm. Mm mm-hmm.
3: uh, Yeah, I mean, there's one in 10 are of quality, Uh. but <laughs> fair. Thank you so much for taking my call.
0: All right. A from Boston. Great to hear from you again. Why don't we go next to Thomas from New York? Thomas from New York. Welcome to The David Pakman Show.
1: Hey, David, how's it going? Going well. All right. So um, I'm sure you know, obviously, that Donald Trump got indicted last week and yes. that may or may not affect Trump's run for president. But yes. um, I may just want to ask about Ron DeSantis. Uh, sure. People say that Ron DeSantis is more of a threat to democracy than Donald Trump is due to the multiple bills he assigned in Florida. Such so as don't say gay, gay bill and his bills are uh, to affect elections. Yep. My question is, is if you agree with the sentiment that Ron DeSantis is more dangerous to the sanctity of democracy, if he to become president, rather than Donald Trump post January six and his arrest,
0: I generally believe. So this, this is the way I kind of frame it. If you said to me today. Either Trump or DeSantis will be president for four years. I think I see DeSantis as the greater threat and would say if those are my choices, I would rather Trump be president four years rather than DeSantis. DeSantis seems much more focused, whereas Trump's brain is kind of all over the place. DeSantis is likely to be more effective at actually making horrible legislative accomplishments, whereas again, Trump gets so distracted and embroiled in controversy that I think he would be less effective. The counterpoint to all of this is that on the world stage, Trump is so cartoonish and such a joke that it might damage American reputation more to see Trump president for another four years than DeSantis. So it's sort of like DeSantis would make our reputation not quite as bad, but he would do far more damage. Now, there's another layer to this, which you didn't directly ask about, but I think is also important in the polling right now. There's Trump versus Biden polling and DeSantis versus Biden polling. Biden does better against Trump than against DeSantis. So that would be another reason to want Trump as the nominee rather than DeSantis, because it seems it's more likely to lead to a Democratic president winning in 2024. But again, this is all very early polling data.
1: Yeah, I I think Trump is definitely is a lot more cares about his ego. So he will be less he he kind of doesn't get led as much by the Republicans. I think Ron DeSantis is a lot smarter and a lot more nefarious in that way. I think uh, that's true. Thank you. I appreciate the the answer.
0: My pleasure. Thomas from New York, uh, great to hear from you. Uh, got right to his question. I mean, really, a perfect phone call. Audio was good. Just a good call in really every way. We are taking calls via Discord. DavidPackman.com/discord. Just a reminder: if you want to get on, your nickname uh, must be your name and where you're calling from, or where you're calling from and your name. You know, just names alone or nicknames or sort of stuff like that is not likely to get you on. Let's go to Rodney from St. Louis. Rodney from St. Louis, welcome to the program. David, can you hear me? Yes, I can.
4: Okay, great. Uh, First of all, I want to say congratulations on uh, last week or week and a half ago when you had the right wing attacking you and uh, your audience was able to rally. We made it.
0: We made it, Rodney. I appreciate that.
4: Yeah, it was amazing. It's got me thinking that uh, obviously the number one thing that we all run into on every single issue is the money powered interest. Yes. And every single time, The media doesn't ever cover it, and it's not really covered that much even on independent media, but I would think if maybe, I don't know if you and like Sam and Jank or TYT and others on the left ever get together and like try to like use your audiences to strategically get the word out or even acknowledge that the left media is even existing.
0: Yeah, you know, we really don't. And we should. The last time I saw Jenkin, Sam was like in the same place. I saw Sam more recently. But the last time the three of us were in the same place was at a conference in Vegas, like right before the pandemic. And I'll be honest, this this particular issue did not come up. It was really kind of a social thing. We went to dinner. But I actually do think, you know, one of the things I've talked about before, and I think you're kind of getting at this, Rodney, is that when it comes to funding independent media and creating this sort of like under. Underbelly sounds negative, but in a sense, it's an underbelly. It's a layer, we might call it, of a media to really try to get young people to come to our side right when they leave college. The right funds that to an insane degree, I mean, I I recently heard I don't know if this is true, that Turning Point USA raised like 40 million dollars or something like that. And the right has way more of these right wing think tanks, whether when you join, you're much better paid than if you're on the left and you join like whatever the left wing equivalent would be. So I actually think there would be a lot of value it doesn't have to be you know me along with Jenkins sam but somebody and i'm willing to be a part of it and obviously jenkin sam would be great people to have involved as well we need to just make really clear like listen to some degree like there's not actually a mystery about what's going on here we're winning on so many of the issues when you ask people their view on abortion their view on gay marriage their view, view on using taxes so all these different things it's like it's very clear the left is winning on the issues but we simply aren't doing what we need to do in terms of funding the messaging and the right crushes us on this. And for all the talk about George Soros is George Soros has never funded me or any of the people you mentioned. And and it, it is something where if the left, they're decided, ghosting you guys, they're ghosting a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I mean, 100. When's the
4: last time you have seen AOC or Bernie talk about David Packman or TYT or the majority report? That 100% to, stuff like that needs to happen. 100% like that spark, that spark has to happen.
0: Yeah. And I think so. we need to have more advocates in Congress. And and we do have some, you know, Ro Khan is a big advocate. And I think to some degree, like Eric Swalwell and I, I can certainly name people, but you're absolutely. this is a huge systemic problem. It's bigger than me, Jenkins, Sam. But to the extent course, I can be a part of solving it, I'm glad to be.
4: Yeah, you guys are just in my wheelhouse. And yeah. You know, I agree with ninety-nine percent of what you guys, you know, talk about and I love it. You're great. You good to do a great job.
0: Thanks so much, Rodney. Great, great call and great topic. Thank you. All right. There goes Rodney. Let's take just a very quick break, just to let cooler heads prevail. No, I'm kidding. We just need a quick break. If you're still wanting to talk to me, just hold on because we're coming right back to the phones after this. One of our sponsors is electric e-bikes. I've been watching e-bike reviews on YouTube for a while because I've been thinking of getting one and I continually come across electric as the brand to go with if your budget is between $800 and 1300 dollars. And I have to agree from experience. I've had my electric e-bike for a little while now. I've almost ditched my car and regularly bike at this point for errands and things around my neighborhood. It's awesome cardio because I'm still pedaling. I get there faster. I can see more. I'm reducing my carbon footprint. The e-bike came to my doorstep fully assembled. It has a bright LCD screen, seven speed gearing, five levels of pedal assist, a powerful battery that you can take inside to charge. It's also fully foldable. I can put it in the back of my car. Electric has models for every lifestyle and you can finance for as little as 73 bucks a month. Go to electricebikes.com to learn more. Explore all of the incredible e-bike models they offer. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C eBikes.com. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's hear from a few more people in the audience. How about Ramiro from Indiana? Welcome back to the program, sir. Ramiro, please accept my invitation to join the program. There he is.
5: There, sorry about that. No um, problem. So uh, my quick question is, uh, so Donald Trump, everything going on, obviously we know, um, there's nothing in place that would prevent him from running for president, even from prison, correct?
0: That's that's my understanding, yeah.
5: So um, is that – is there a reason for that? Is it simply because there isn't a specific law in the books for that, or – Is it a conscious effort to, say, prevent something like, uh, let's, for example, if Donald Trump, well, when he won in 2016, let's say 2020, he was running against Hillary again, and he was afraid that she would beat him. So, like, he would jail his political prisoner, like saying, lock her up in an attempt to, I guess, so is that the reason something like that? A law preventing that from happening isn't in
0: place. That's a good question, which is, is the reason why you're allowed to run for president from prison, that it prevents someone from jailing a political opponent to get them out of a race? Yeah. So that's not my understanding of the reasoning why. I I think the reasoning is a lot kind of less less uh, um, uh, exciting, which is the principle of law that if something isn't banned, then it's allowed. And since nothing expressly bans someone from being in prison and running for president, it's allowed. We've never really had a situation in which I think someone would actually have a shot at winning the way Trump would. But I'll be honest, Ramiro, it's a very interesting question. I don't think it's going to play out in any real way because I don't think Trump's going to be in prison.
5: No, and I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. But um, I guess I wanted to know your opinion. Do you think that that law should be in place? Or like I said, do you think it shouldn't be in place to possibly prevent something like a Bolsonaro trying to jail Lula da Silva and all that stuff? Generally speaking,
0: generally speaking, I'm okay with the requirements to be president being super, super basic. Now remember, I'm not allowed to run for president because I wasn't born in the United States. I could make the argument actually that should be changed, but forget about me. I'm not even arguing. Just in general, you know, age, natural born citizen. Okay. I actually think that I don't want to be putting a whole bunch of new requirements on, although I am obviously ideologically uh, interested in the idea of some kind of comp- competency test which might have ruled out Donald Trump. But the right. one thing that's a little crazy for me is if in some states, if you're a felon, you can't vote, but yet you could be a convicted felon and people vote for you and you win. Something about that yeah. seems a little incongruous, you know, it's weird.
5: Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. And that's why I asked the question, because if you would have asked me before 2016, yeah, I would have said, yeah, no, you should absolutely not be able to run for president if you're in jail. But then I got to thinking, I'm like, right. we, you know, with him running his campaign, screaming, lock her up, lock her up. And I got to thinking, you know, maybe that's maybe it's a good thing that that's not on the books. But it is funny that you can be in prison and not be allowed to vote after you get out. it's Yeah. It's funny, it's a, so. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of these weird incongruous things, but it's it, I think the point we both come away with is the next 18 months are going to be pretty insane.
5: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, my friend, okay, thank well, you for the call. For call. Appreciate yep, it. There's uh, Ramiro from Indiana. Why don't we go next to Casey from Kansas? Casey from Kansas. Welcome back to the program. Hello. Hello.
6: Yeah, I just have a simple question this time, since sure. I think you already covered it a little bit on your show. Uh, do you think with the win of Brandon Johnson in Chicago against yes. his more tough on crime, more police, endorsed by the fraternal order candidate, do you think that could make Democrats like Joe Biden rethink their tough on crime pivot? Maybe, you know, go to a more solve it from the roots type of thing?
0: Why would. So you're saying the fact that Brandon Johnson won. With his "we're going to reform but support police" sort of mentality, would that make Biden change his mind about his approach? Why would it make Biden change his mind?
6: Well, I mean, Biden has seemed like he's going for a more traditional tough-on-crime type of thing.
0: Oh, I see. At what you're least saying. the most now, recent. you, you know why I don't think that would really influence Biden much. What makes sense politically at the city level? Is different than what makes sense at the state level, and certainly for running as as a presidential campaign. So I don't think Biden would be moved much by what worked in Chicago for a mayoral race.
6: What about like other you know city Democrats like Eric Adams or somebody like that? Who's that, been may be, that may
0: be. That may be. That it could. Although you know, all of these mayors often think, and it might be true that their city's circumstances are different than others. And so they really shouldn't go by what other mayors do. It's just a kind of a general thought that often is in mayor's minds.
6: Okay, well, I guarantee that if the opposite had happened and if Paul Vallis had one that people like Eric Adams would be shouting from the rooftops like this is proof that yeah. Democrats need to get more tough on crime, we need harsher. You know, charges for felons and everything like that.
0: But You're probably right. You're probably knows? right. As far as that goes. Yeah, no, But I don't expect to see Biden adjust much as a ba- on the basis of what happened in Chicago to answer the first question.
6: Uh, well, I wish he would. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess he, he'll probably continue as he's going into 2024,
0: I believe so. Casey from uh, Kansas. Always great to hear from you. OK, thank you. All right. There he goes why don't we go next to Ronald from Illinois? Speaking of Illinois, let's go to Ronald from Illinois. Welcome to the program.
4: Hey, David, can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, I'm at work, David, but I've got a quick question for you. So last week Trump got arrested. Why has Biden been so quiet about it?
0: I actually like it. I think I think the reason Biden's being quiet is Trump and others are already saying Biden's orchestrating the entire thing. You know, Democrats, Biden, George Soros, they're all orchestrating the entire thing. When Joe Biden was asked about it, he just said, I'm not going to comment. He is making it. What I think Biden doesn't want. Is to make whatever Biden says is going to be accused of being extremely politically biased. People are going to read into it that Biden was somehow involved or whatever. I love that. Listen, this is law enforcement looking at evidence and bringing charges in New York City. It should have nothing to do with Joe Biden. And I like that Biden's not saying a word. The right, by the way, Rodney, uh, Ronald, is triggered by this. I saw a Fox News report the other day where they said, look at Biden's just smiling and not saying anything, even not saying anything is angering them. I think it's the right move. And I think Biden's smart for keeping his mouth shut for now.
4: David. Okay, thanks for that question, man. So keep up the good
0: work. All right, Ronald from Illinois. Thank you so much for the call. Very much appreciate it. Yeah. I, if anybody thinks Biden should be talking about it, let me know. I just I just don't see it. Let's go to Andrew from California. Andrew from California. Welcome. What's on your mind?
7: Hi, um, the first time caller, long time listener. Thank you. Uh Kind of nervous, but um, I'll power through it.
0: Yeah, you're doing great so so far. I
7: I just wanted to discuss with you about the when dealing with irrational, like Trump Trump supporters. Yeah, when what is the calculus? Because I've seen a lot of progressive hosts handle it both ways, where they're like very patient and uh, charitable in a sense, versus like just steamrolling them and then just hanging up on them and not letting them talk. Like for example for with you you had that guy who uh you guys were getting into like the semantics of like Trump not being allowed with the nuclear codes yeah. and I feel like you took like a charitable uh approach which I agree I agreed with you but I feel, felt like you could have been more charitable But I I don't know. I'm just a schmuck. I don't know. uh,
0: So listen, it depends what you want to achieve, right? I mean, my point with that guy, that was Bobby Polo. The reason I gave that guy so much time and so much leeway was he was one of those guys who showed up in our super chats during a live stream and said, I want to debate you and you won't debate me and you won't give me time and blah, 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 blah. And so the point I was trying to make was. I'll gladly give you time and I'll allow you every opportunity to make your point. And the guy had 10 minutes and he quite literally wasn't able to make a single point. And the point of that was less about telling him he was wrong about every particular issue. He didn't even bring up an issue. That was the funny thing. The guy was desperate to debate and couldn't actually even hold a conversation. So that was more about like these people who are big, tough guys on the Internet who want to debate. Then you give them a chance. They they make no sense. They might as well be speaking a foreign language in other situations on somebody who comes at me with a particular issue that they're wrong about. Then it would be less about being as charitable as possible and more about showing them that they're actually wrong on the issue. Does that make sense, Andrew? Like it depends on the situation.
7: Yeah, I guess it's I don't know. I guess sometimes I I I prefer the more charitable approach. I just feel like maybe then there'd be more of a chance of connection, but maybe that's just wishful thinking. No,
0: I think on balance, you're right. It just with that particular guy you're thinking of, it went nowhere because there was no substance to it. You know, we could he wouldn't even understand what my position was. And yet he still tried to tell me I'm wrong. But it's like, dude, you don't even understand what I'm saying. How how can we go forward here?
7: I felt like with the nuclear weapons issue, which I think was like the one that kind of was ballooned, yep. I felt like you could have been a little bit more like, OK, when you make a an, uh, black and white statement where I don't think Trump should be around nuclear weapons, which is ridiculous. A president must, you know, have you know, access to that. I just think that he would be very irresponsible. I didn't feel like you said it in a way where he was going to be able to receive that and digest it and maybe understand that. I mean, well, I, I don't think know. you're
0: right. I don't think he was going to be able to understand what I was saying, but the extent to which I just have to keep restating it, I think, you know, he he had a bunch of time and he wasn't getting it. So it was just time to move on, you know?
7: Okay. All right. One last comment. Uh, Bring back Jimmy from Philly,
0: <laughs> haven't heard from him for years, Andrew. It's crazy. I I just miss his voice. Fair enough. Maybe we can find an impersonator. All right, Andrew, thanks so much for the call. Thank you. All right. There goes Andrew with a very, very powerful declaration. Let's go to Daryl from Texas, Daryl from Texas. Welcome. What's on your mind today?
8: Oh, hi, David. Uh, oh, oh, hi. Uh, Sorry, I'm just kind of nervous. Okay, so my question it pertains to the debate about like Trump's indictment and whether yeah. if it's going to help or not. Uh, I just saw a recent poll from like Rasmussen, I believe, that shows Biden trailing both Trump and DeSantis. So just uh, so you
0: know, Rasmussen's not a good pollster, so I tend not to look at Rasmussen. What I would do is maybe look at an average of recent polls, or look at like the 538 recent polling, and just look at pollsters rated A and B. I, I just don't think Rasmussen's a good pollster, but that but it may not matter for the question you're going towards. Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to put like damage away on a single poll. No, but anyways, when it comes to like Trump's indictment, yeah, uh, like like it could help him in the primary. But I still have a hard time seeing how in the general, you know, like Trump, he needs like independents. Right. And like moderate Republicans, you know, to win the general, not just a MAGA base. So my question to you is when it comes to the indictment, Would actually win over like independent and swing voters, or could actually like hurt him in the general?
0: I think in the general, I don't think the indictment. So, for now, we're talking just about the one indictment, right? If there's a different indictment in Georgia, we would have to evaluate the charges, the implications, what that's going to do to Trump's ability to campaign, and then I'll give you an updated opinion based only on the arrest and indictment in New York City with the thirty-four felonies. I do believe it helps Trump in the primary. It helps Trump because nobody's been talking about Ron DeSantis since the Trump arrest happened. And, and so publicity wise, it's been better for Trump than DeSantis. I think it has activated some of Trump's base. Um, and so I do think Trump is helped in the primary by this New York City indictment. I don't think it gets him a single new vote in the general. And so there I think it actually hurts him.
8: Oh, gosh. Gotcha. OK, yes, yes. I was only wondering because I remember during 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 the during uh, like the 2016 election, like James Comey, like he released a letter on like Hillary Clinton and and like Hillary, like she was never indicted, never arrested. But yet, you know, but yet it didn't help her at all in the yeah. general elections. So, so, so I'm just here wondering, you know, Trump was actually indicted or arrested yes. and is likely to get indicted again in future cases. i just have a hard time, you know, seeing how people outside the MAGA base. Use it as like a W or, or
0: good for try? I agree you know? with you 100 percent. And honestly, if they really believed it was good, they'd be less angry and they'd be happier than they are. So I don't buy it for a second. I think your analysis is spot on.
8: Oh, gotcha. OK, uh, yes. Uh, like like that's all I want to ask you, like thank you for taking my call.
0: All right, Daryl from Texas. Great to hear from you. We're going to go to a break. I'm sorry I wasn't able to get to everyone, but we will take calls again. Back with much more right after this. When you're using websites and apps, your device sends out data about you into the open who you are, where you go, things you like. That data then gets sold around for advertising purposes, which is why every time I connect to the internet, I use a VPN to hide my IP address. And our sponsor, Private Internet Access, is the most trustworthy VPN on the market. It's the only VPN that has proven multiple times in court. They don't log your activity. Private Internet access protects you from the prying eyes of hackers, your Internet service provider, tech companies. Private Internet access is also super fast for streaming and for downloads. You can watch your favorite streaming platforms as if you're in another country like the UK to access cool new content and with just one account you can protect unlimited devices all at the same time. This is really a game changer. Private Internet Access is giving my audience 83% off. That's 203 a month plus 4 months free. Go to PIAvpn.com/david. The link is in the podcast notes. All right, let's get into Friday feedback. So many different messages coming in, continuing for all sorts of different reasons. And I want to have an opportunity here to go over some stuff with uh, people in the audience. One of the things that I love about my audience is you all don't forget about gun safety just because it's been like a little while since the last major mass shooting. Now in the United States, we have individual shootings. We have mass shootings and then we have major mass shootings. Major means like it actually makes national headlines. It's a crazy country where we actually have mass shootings every day, but most of them don't make national headlines. Okay, you all keep your eye on the ball, even when there hasn't been a major national mass shooting for a little bit. Here's a very interesting uh, YouTube comment, which says David, as a law abiding citizen who owns several firearms that I use for sport shooting and hunting, There's something no one has been able to explain to me. How is it that the federal government can implement and enforce a national ban on fully automatic weapons and shot off shotguns, but is unable to do the same for semi-automatic firearms? Seems to me that every mass shooting in recent history has involved a semi-automatic firearm a ban on semi-automatic firearms would not violate the second amendment and as a matter of fact could be argued that it speaks directly to the well-regulated militia aspect of the second amendment what are your thoughts well the answer is of course you could ban semi-automatic weapons but there isn't congressional support to do it this i'm not going to pretend that i can cite every law on which the current status quo is based okay that that i'm making that very very clear But the National Firearms Act of 1934. Is very much, if not the only reason, again, I want to defer a little bit to possibility. It is a huge part of the reason why fully automatic machine guns are not legal. And it's because of how they are classified. And it goes back to the National Firearms Act of 1934 and other elements of law. There have been votes in the House of Representatives as to whether to ban semi-automatic weapons as well but these votes have not succeeded at a time when you could also get a vote to succeed in the Senate and have it signed by the president this is absolutely something that could be done as this viewer points out it wouldn't violate the second amendment now it's just a matter of where we draw the line do we we most people agree that Shoulder mounted RPGs are on the banned side and should be not not they agree they are. They agree they should be on the banned side. We have the National Firearms Act of 1934 when it comes to fully automatic machine guns. Just a matter of where we draw the line. The the answer for why semi automatic weapons aren't banned is that they uh, there is not the political will to actually do it. It's that simple. Um, And I don't know, maybe it will change, but you're absolutely correct. That a disproportionate number of these major mass shootings are committed at the hands of such a semi-automatic weapon. Scott commented on YouTube, says, David, I've been watching on your uh, been watching your content for a couple of years. Love what you do. Love your presentation style and the way you do. You think about things. You help me to craft my own ideas about how to engage with my Trumpster dad and still allow room for grace, knowing he has been brainwashed by Fox. That's sad. I hope you weather this storm. I'm in Georgia. I'm a retired 20 year U.S. Army infantry senior NCO. I am a combat veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan. I don't really know if it's even possible or helpful, but if there is anything I can do to provide for you and your loved ones protection and safety, I would do it for free. Well, I might ask for a dry place to sleep and food if it's too far from home. Thank you, sir. And thank you for your service. And we are weathering the storm you know, it is upsetting to many of the in, in the hate mob. I know they're furious because they keep writing to me. They really thought they were going to get me canceled over the tweet from now a couple weeks ago. They really did. And they saw that we came out of it with tens of thousands more YouTube subscribers and the website generated over a thousand new paid subscribers and messages of support from celebrities and elected officials. and. Listen, anyone with half a brain knows what I'm talking about. Anyone with half a brain knows I'm not going to blame kids who were killed for being killed. We blame our our elected officials and we blame the shooters. That's who we blame Um, and aspects of society that have gone wrong. But I really appreciate that. And we are getting through it and it's been crazy, but we are doing what we can. Jack uh, commented on YouTube and said, I used to be a conservative. I switched because of people like Pacman and Kyle Kalinsky. Keep doing what you're doing right now, David. They only hate the tweet because you are 100 percent correct. Conservatives are more angry over your tweet than they are that kids were murdered. It's a useful distraction if you're mad at me and some of them still are. If you're mad at me. You don't have to talk about the fact that you don't want to do a damn thing about guns. One other message uh, along these lines, this one's from Scott. This one might be fake. It's funny, though. It might be real. I used to be a conservative for over 40 years. Pacman changed that. Trump changed that. I put in the paperwork to become a Democrat and I've never been happier. I even lost weight hanging around left wingers. You know, this may be a joke. I genuinely don't know. What's so funny about it is. Obesity is dramatically higher in red states. I mean, it's not about make everything political. There was recently a study about life expectancy at birth in the deep blue areas of the country and the deep red areas of the country. Obviously, you have to take economics into account. Big, big part of this. But you are likely to live much longer. If you are born and live in blue areas, it's it is an incredible thing that we have going on in this country where political allegiance. And the allegiance of state government has such an impact on every aspect of our lives. Really incredible stuff. Raymond emailed me and said just a comment from an average Joe. I think this is super interesting and also very depressing. Raymond said was just watching Friday feedback and heard your advice about debating people online. I'm pretty good at it, probably because I'm 64. I've been a politics junkie since age 16, used to skip school so I could stay home and watch the Watergate hearings. In the last two years, I've debated at least 40 magas into silence. I set traps for them by writing things I know they'll agree with and then pointing out how the sum of those beliefs add up to the opposite of the point they're trying to make. Then they go quiet. They'll never admit it and they'll never admit I'm right in the moment. But their silence signals their capitulation. But then it occurred to me there are 70 million more of them out there. And suddenly those victories feel pretty hollow. It's demoralizing. This one hits, guys. This one hits. As I've said before, we can spend hours trying to show these people the errors in their ways. And sometimes we'll succeed. And then you remember 70 million people voted for Trump and you realize what we are up against. So an inspiring message from Raymond in the sense that he he has clearly figured out a way to do it. But then you remember there's 70 million of them, and then Then what? Then where do we go? This is the whole retail versus wholesale strategy thing that's often discussed. The ways to achieve rapid social change often are to enforce them via dictatorship, which I'm against. I know Trump's enamored with all these dictators, but I'm not. So then you say, well, then how do you do it? And it is very slow change over long periods of time, focusing on education, focusing on media literacy, extremely, extremely difficult to do. Uh, Daniel wrote in and says, I'm evil. This is still like the sort of stuff that's coming in based on the tweet from a couple weeks ago. Daniel says, David, you are evil. I saw the tweet you mocked, murdered Christian children. I am sorry for you. Your parents failed and you are troubled on the inside. May somehow you find peace. Your hatred must be a serious burden. Yeah, no, no, that's not really it. I am disgusted by our elected officials who send thoughts and prayers and do nothing else. That's basically it. It's not about evil. It's not about troubled. It's not about finding peace. It's not about any of it. But uh, these folks won't stop, guys. They, They keep emailing. Here's George. All right. This is something I think you guys are going to enjoy. George wrote in and said, David, Considering how small the trans population is worldwide, why do you spend so much time covering trans issues? Please tell me how to cancel my membership. Thank you, George. Um, I've told you guys before about what I call unsubscribe trolls. These are people who write to me and they say, David, I was just about to become a paid member and then you said X and now I'm not going to. David, I've been a subscriber for five years. But now that you said Y, am canceling I looked up George. George was last a member in 2020. (laughs) And since 2020, this is why why we file all of our messages. Sometimes law enforcement needs them. But this is another reason why. Since 2020, George has written to me 16 times saying he's going to cancel his membership because I said X and then because I said Y and then because I said Z. In fact, when I look this up, it's like who has time to do this stuff? George wrote to me uh, back in November and said, "You're not talking about the CCP enough." I'm canceling. And then George wrote to me in this. So there's so many of these. It's hard to find all of them. Uh, oh God, when was this? George wrote to me in May and said they need to do something about smart fencing at schools and you're not talking about it and I'm going to cancel. Okay. the point here is. George has written to me 16 times saying he's going to cancel since he was last a member. Folks, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The freedom that I get from being supported by individual members is that no one person can come in and tell me cover this or don't cover it or whatever the case may be. That's a great thing. And I will continue covering what I think makes sense. Why am I covering the trans issue more than the prevalence of trans people in the population? Very good question. The reason is because the American right wing has now started devoting way too much of their time to making the lives of trans people a living hell. And so when I see a group being targeted, Unfairly, I come to their defense. As soon as the mob leaves trans people alone, I will be able to move away from that issue. So that's why, George. All right, my friend, best of luck with all of it. Send in your emails info at davidpackman.com, YouTube comment, tweet, Facebook. We pull these from all over the place. And uh, yours might be featured next week. Fantastic bonus show for you today. Sign up at joinpacman.com. Don't miss it. Extraordinary stuff.